Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're starting a new series this morning. Last week, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which coincides with Passover for the Jewish people because every Jewish feast was to point forward to something that was fulfilled in Christ. And the next feast that's coming up is Pentecost. So we are in the season of Pentecost. The word Pentecost comes from the root word meaning 50, and it took place 50 days after Passover. So the seventh Sunday after Easter or Passover uh, is Pentecost Sunday, and that feast was fulfilled in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church in the book of Acts. So during this season of Pentecost, we are going to be focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father to send the Holy Spirit. So we're starting a new series called The Promise, and uh, today's message is titled The Most Powerful Gift, The Most Powerful Gift. I read a story of two little girls that were playing together, and they were counting out their pennies. And as they counted, one girl said, I have five pennies. And the other girl said, I have 10. And the first child said, no, you don't. You have five cents just like me. But the second child quickly responded, my father said that when he comes home tonight, he's going to give me five cents. So I have 10 cents because he promised. The child's faith held to the promise of her father, and she counted it as already being hers. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Because her father had given her a promise, she held it as a reality in her life. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have in regard to his promises. God is serious about the promises that he makes. The Bible says he honors his word, his promises above his name. His reputation is on the line, and he is not going to uh, uh, back paddle on one of his promises. He will fulfill everything he has promised. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus tells us about one of the most important promises that the Father has made to us. The scripture says, once when he was eating with them, this is the resurrected Christ, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, he explains the purpose of the Father's promised gift. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Judea, throughout uh, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. That is the purpose of God's promised gift. So after his resurrection... Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days before he returned to his glory in heaven, and he spoke to them about many things, but the focus of what he spoke to them about was the promise of the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Because after the gift of salvation provided through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he deemed the promise of the Holy Spirit to be of utmost importance. Next to the gift of salvation, the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit is that which is of the next 
highest importance. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of the best gifts that God desires to give us next to salvation, and it brings so many blessings into our life. However, Jesus emphasized that the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower us. It brings a lot of blessings. We get a prayer language where we have this supernatural prayer language. You might have heard people during the worship praying in another language that the scripture calls tongues, languages that we have never learned. They're supernaturally given. It's wonderful. There's gifts of the spirit that flow through us. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation, healing, miracle. The gifts of the spirit flow. So there's a, But the most important purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to continue the ministry of Jesus in the world. Now, we don't believe or teach that the Holy Spirit baptism is necessary for salvation, but we do believe that it is essential to live out our salvation. So you can be saved just by believing upon Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, we are saved by faith through grace as we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus deemed this as so important. He said, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until you be empowered with power from on high. So he saw it as vitally essential for their Christian walk, and we should see it as vitally essential for our Christian walk because we cannot live the way he's calling us to live or do what he is calling us to do in our own strength. So the Holy Spirit is a vital experience that God wills every believer to have. In fact, Jesus commanded his disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, he had given them a commandment prior to this to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but he's saying before you try to do that on your own, you first need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus held it as critically important for every believer to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us that we will accomplish far greater things when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, from about the 4th century to the 18th century B.C., the church became very institutionalized. The church was very ritualistic, and it existed for the sake of self-perpetuation, mainly just to keep the institution running and functioning. But after what was called the Reformation in the 16th century, the church started to move back towards spiritual vitality and, and the true spiritual identity of what God had called the church to be. And with that renewal... In the 18th century, there emerged a renewed emphasis on reaching the lost and, and going into other lands and preaching the gospel, but they had very little effects. They started doing it because they knew that's what they were supposed to be doing, but they had very little impact. But at the beginning of the 20th century, as people began to hunger more and more for God and say, you know what, there has to be something more uh, to the experience of God than just going to church and going through these rituals and what have you, they began to seek God and the Holy Spirit was poured out out, beginning in 1906 in what is known as the Azusa Street Revival, where at one time over 200 people were baptized in the Holy Ghost at the same time, and then it just began to spread, and incredible miracles started to take place, and, 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 and out from there went many um, missionaries and evangelists, and, and it began a powerful evangelistic move all around uh, the world in what has now become a movement so great that it is estimated that 25% of the world's Christians are Pentecostal or charismatic. Beginning in 1901 with a handful of students in a Bible college in Topeka, Kansas, where a, a teacher told his students to go home over Christmas break, read the book of Acts, and come back and discuss what was different in the New Testament church and the church today. Today. 
And when they came back on January 1st of 1901, they all began to say the difference between the church today and the church in the New Testament was the power of the Holy Spirit. And there was a student there, her first name was Agnes, and she said, I want what they had. And so she asked the class to pray for her. And they prayed for her that she might receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And she became baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, which they were all shocked because that had not been happening on a wide uh, basis uh, for several centuries. And so they had not seen it in, in firsthand. They had read it, but had not seen it firsthand. They were all shocked. But that began to spread. And then it culminated uh, in the 1906 Azusa Street uh, revival, which then became a, a, a what, what has been called the spiritual shot heard around the world because that move of the spirit just began to spread all throughout the world along with the effective preaching of the gospel. The baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't just something that makes us feel good. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just something that makes us pray in tongues. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is sent to empower us to be more effective witnesses for Christ. The Holy Ghost plugs us in to the supernatural power of God to continue the ministry of Jesus in the world today, both in proclaiming the good news of the gospel and in healing the sick and setting free those that are oppressed just like Jesus did because he did what he did by the anointing of the Spirit and that same Spirit is the one that God promises to give to us. So it's critical that we understand not just the what of the baptism, in the Holy Spirit, but the why, the purpose for which God fills us with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. If we understand the purpose, I believe that we will begin to realize the vital importance of the Spirit's work in our life, and we will seek with greater urgency and diligence to receive the promise of the Father that we might be filled, that we might walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to talk about the promise and the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we need to be reminded of the promise and purpose of the Holy Spirit. For others, we might be hearing it for the first time. But for all of us, may our hearts be stirred with faith to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For some, for the first time. For others, we need to be refilled. Because you know what? Over time, life takes it out of you and you, your, your, your experience in God kind of uh, drains and needs to be renewed. And Paul said in Ephesians 5, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need a continual renewal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What I want us to see is that the Holy Spirit baptism is both a promise and a command. It is a promise and a command. The promise of the Father is to be believed and eagerly sought after. You know, a promise is a pledge that you're going to do something good for someone, right? So a promise is a pledge of something good to come. So, so it, it, it's given to inspire your expectation. You don't tell a child, I promise you can have a big serving of spinach at dinner tonight. Why? Because most children don't like spinach, and that's not something positive that they're going to look forward to. That's something that they're going to dread. Amen. <laughs> but you might say, if you're good today, if you do your homework, whatever, I promise to give you a big bowl of ice cream. Amen. Now that inspires expectation. Amen. Because almost everybody loves ice cream. Who likes ice cream here? 
Well, most of you, all right? About 70%. So almost everybody loves ice cream. So if somebody promises you to give, to give you ice cream, that's going to be something that you look forward to. Amen? And you can bet when you make a kid a promise that you're going to give them a bowl of ice cream when they finish dinner, they are going to be saying to you the moment they have their last bite, remember, you said I could have ice cream after dinner. And they're going to be asking and they're going to be standing ready to claim their promise. And they'll not let you forget it, right? And, and that's the faith we need in seeking the promise of the Father. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a good gift. Next to salvation, it's the most wonderful gift that God desires to give each and every one of us. And it is something that we should look forward to. It is something that we should expect. It is something that we should eagerly seek after, praying to the Father and saying, Remember, you made me a promise, and I'm not going anywhere until I receive it. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus did say we need to come to the Father like little children, amen? And little children don't let you forget a promise when you've made it, praise God. Seeking to receive the promise of the Father is also a command to be obeyed. In Acts 1-4, the scripture says, he commanded them. It didn't say he suggested to them. It didn't say he encouraged them. It said he commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Other versions say, wait in Jerusalem or stay in Jerusalem. But the fact is that it is a command from Jesus himself. That means that it's not a nice option for us to have. It's a necessity. You know, when you go to buy a new car, you know, there's usually several models of that new car, and you can have various options on the new car, right? You may get a sunroof, you may get some kind of souped-up sound system, whatever it is, they, they offer you various option packages. How many of you know that, right? Always at a cost, of course, but there's option packages. But there's one thing that is never listed as an option on a car. Do you know what that is? The engine. Cause the engine is a necessity. I don't care how beautiful the exterior of the car is. I don't care uh, how souped up it is. I don't care what wonderful features they've added inside. If you don't have an engine, you're not going anywhere. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is like the engine of our Christian life. It is the power to do what Jesus is calling us to do and live like God is calling us to live. Amen. So Jesus didn't ask the disciples, would you like this option package? No. He commanded them to wait in Jerusalem. Before they tried to obey his command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people, they first needed to obey his command to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power behind the mission. It is a necessity. Every Christian should earnestly desire and seek after the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Charles Finney, the famed revivalist preacher in his book, Revival Lectures, said, it is a command to be filled with the Spirit. To disobey a command of God is sin, he said. Therefore, to not be filled with the Spirit is Oh, some of you ended the sentence for me. Amen. 
if disobedience to God's command is sin and he has commanded us to be filled with the Spirit, then to not be filled with the Spirit is sin. You get an A+. Plus. Amen. So let's obey his command and seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think of a command as doing something that you don't really want to do. But think about the promise before when we talked about ice cream. Now, you may have to command your children to sit at the table and eat every spoon of spinach that's on their plate because they don't want to eat their spinach, right? But if you've promised your child a bowl of ice cream and you give them a bowl of ice cream, I don't think you're going to have to command them to eat it. Why? Because ice cream is delicious and they love it. They want to eat it. And you know what? God's gift is something wonderful. So even though he commands us to let us know it's essential, it's not something that we should, oh, no, I don't want that. No, it's the most wonderful gift next to our salvation. So let us command and obey his command and seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is essential to do what Jesus is calling us to do and live as he's calling us to live. The second truth I want us to see is the Holy Spirit baptism empowers us to be his witnesses. This is the why of the experience, the purpose. Look again at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit supernaturally enables us to effectively share the good news of salvation through Jesus. When Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, they were already witnessing. They had already gone out several times and preached. They had already been sent out by him two by two while he was here on earth to preach, to spread the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. But after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they preached, and 3,000 came to Christ. They preached again, and 5,000 came to Christ. And, 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 and the word of God and the ministry just started to explode as thousands upon thousands came. In Acts 5.12, it says, Many signs and wonders were being done by the hands of the apostles. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to speak and to minister with a supernatural anointing. Not just as a preacher, but in a personal level when we're speaking to people, there is a supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that convinces the hearer. It convicts them of sin, lets them feel the weight of their sin. It, It convinces them of their need of a Savior, and it is the Holy Spirit that draws them to Christ. We can't do any of that. We can't convince anybody to get saved. Amen? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as supernatural power flows through us, it also manifests in miraculous signs and wonders to confirm the word of God. We've had so many wonderful miracles right here in our church. You see Ruthie over here. She was healed of lupus. And and, and there's people here. I've been healed of cancer. There's people here that have been healed of many different sicknesses and diseases. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He enables us to do far beyond what, anything that we could do in our own strength or ability. You know, uh, many of you are aware that we have a church property about five minutes away from here, and we've already done the horizontal phase of construction. We're just saving now to be able to do the actual building, but we already have the building pad. We have the, the parking lot and the drainage and all of that stuff. But when they were doing the construction on the church property, they had these huge backhoes and bulldozers to dig and to move truckloads of dirt. 
And they were able to accomplish a ta the task of clearing that land and, and, and uh, leveling the land and constructing all that in a matter of months. Now, could you imagine if instead of those mechanical backhoes and bulldozers, if they just had a crew of men out there with shovels? Wow. They'd still be out there digging. And you probably wouldn't be able to see much progress. Now, they, they could probably get the job done eventually. But it would take a very long time, a lot of manpower, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. Now, if you had the job of digging the foundation of a building, would you rather use a hand shovel or a bulldozer? We have a big job of reaching the world with the gospel. If we try to do it in our own strength, it's like using a shovel we may be able to get a little something, something done. Mm -hmm. But being empowered by the Holy Spirit is like using a bulldozer, amen? Not that we're bulldozing over people. I'm just saying there's power behind what we do, okay? But in order to get the job done of reaching the world with the gospel, God has promised us, his church, the baptism in the Holy Spirit to empower us. Folks, the time is short. The prophetic clock is winding down. Jesus is coming back soon. He could return at any moment. And there are millions of people in this world that still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to wait on a shovel. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need supernatural empowerment to finish the job Jesus gave us to preach the gospel to the world. If we want to be effective witnesses, if we want to accomplish anything great for God, the Holy Ghost is absolutely essential. It's just like any building. You can have all the right wiring, the switches, the light bulbs, and you can really, um, you know, have everything in line, and you flip the switch, no lights come on. Why? Because you're not connected to a power source. You get nothing. The other day I was doing some work on a computer, and I had disconnected everything, and I was putting it back together, and then I powered it up, and nothing. And I was like, oh, no, don't tell me that the computer is shot. And then I realized it wasn't plugged in. We, we got to get plugged in to the power, amen? Jesus knows that we have the right equipment to be a witness, right? We all have a, a mouth. Most all of us can speak, right? We have, most of us have feet that we can go, right? We have the right equipment. But if we're not plugged into the power, we're not going to be effective. Before Jesus was crucified, Peter was a poor witness. In fact, Peter denied even knowing Jesus the night of Jesus' arrest. But a few weeks later, after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, pre Peter preached a single message, and 3,000 people came to Christ. What a difference the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit made in his life. The power of the Holy Ghost within us causes the message we deliver to penetrate, penetrate. to the heart of the hearer. John 16 says it is the Holy Spirit that convinces the lost of their sin or the world of their sin and of the judgment of God and, and, and it teaches them the need of a Savior. In our own power, we cannot influence anyone to believe what we tell them. We can't change anybody's heart. No. Folks, I can't heal a fly with a headache. 
I don't have any power. Amen. But when we speak in the power of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit takes the word and makes it like a sharp two-edged sword and it cuts deep into the heart of the hearer so that they feel their sin before God and they feel their need of a Savior. Amen? The baptism in the Holy Ghost makes every one of us an effective evangelist who can reach many with the gospel. Have you ever used WD-40 or one of those other spray lubricants? Yes. If you have a rusted bolt and you can't get it loose, you can use a lot of muscle power, right? But it probably will remain unmoved. But if you spray it with some of that WD-40 or, or liquid uh, uh, spray lubricant and just wait a short while, it is so much easier. You, you just get out there what you had been struggling with before. You just get, boom, and it, it comes off. Amen? Spray lubricant is great stuff if you haven't already used it. But if it just sits in the can and it's not applied to the bolt, it's of no use at all. The baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't meant just to sit in a Christian so that they can have a wonderful experience in God. And it's wonderful. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's wonderful. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just so that we can have goosebumps and feel the presence of God or, or even that we can pray in another language as wonderful as that is, but it is to empower us to be his witnesses. It is meant to be applied through ministry so that the gospel can spread more quickly and easily and lives can be transformed for the glory and honor of God. The Father has given us a wonderful promise, a promise to give us the best gift ever next to salvation. We should want all that God promises us, amen? Because everything he promises is good. He's a good God. So we should obey the command of Jesus and eagerly desire and seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to answer out loud. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do you know? We're going to look into this in one of our future messages in the series. But the Bible identifies a clear sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I received it when I was 11. And it is that you will speak in other tongues, a language that you've never learned. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. All 120 of them that were praying began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit filled them. So you can know, you can know when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We can have many experiences of God, but it's not until you have that experience of speaking in another tongue that you have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, for those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I want to ask you a question. Are you filled to overflowing right now? Think about that for a moment. Because in a moment, I'm going to open these altars and encourage all of you who desire to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, either for the first time or to be refilled, to come and seek the Lord at these altars. But the first step to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is to repent of our sins and place our faith in Christ. Because he is called the Holy Spirit. He is holy and can only be poured out in a holy vessel. 
So that's why we have to repent of our sins first, place our faith in Christ. This promise is given to those who are saved, to believers. And so we need to first place our faith in Christ and repent of our sins because we have all sinned and sin cut us off from God. Our relationship with God was broken. The Bible says we were his enemies because of our sin. But when we repent, and the word repent means to turn away from, we recognize that we've been heading in the wrong direction. We've been living life without regard to God, and that way is leading to destruction. We don't want to live that way anymore. So we turn around, we make a U-turn, and say, God, forgive me of my sin, and invite him then to come and live in our hearts by faith. And the moment we do that, the Bible says that we're born again. We're made spiritually alive. We are brought into relationship with God, and we become his sons and daughters. And that's the beginning of a wonderful lifelong journey. I'm going to ask you to uh, close, bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to ask you that are here in person and those listening online, if you cannot say with absolute confidence this morning, I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that I'm right with God. I know that I'm saved. If you can't say that with absolute confidence this morning, but you would like to, and you would say, pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus and be forgiven of my sins, or I want to come back to Jesus because I, I knew him once, and I've drifted away, and I know I need to come back. If that's your desire today and you'd say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you. Is there someone else? Thank you for that hand. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for another hand. Or I want to come back. Thank you for another hand. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Praise you, Jesus. All right, we've had several that have raised their hand, and I'm going to encourage those that raised their hand to do one more thing right now. Would you just pray with me a simple prayer? My words are not special, but it is your heart and faith as you turn to him to repent and place your faith in him. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I turn to you in faith, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, I want to be the first to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. And I want to welcome you to the family of God. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing right now. If you prayed that prayer, if you take your phone out and just text, I prayed to the number on the screen, because we would like to send you free of charge, a little booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and what your next steps are to continue growing in your relationship with the Lord, because that prayer was the beginning of a lifelong relationship with God. And so we want to help you to grow in that relationship with God by sending you this little booklet free of charge. So if you would text, I prayed to the number on the screen so that we can uh, uh, get your information. Uh, we're going to send you a response message with a, a link and click on that link, fill in your name and email address so that we can send you this booklet free of charge. So we look forward to doing that. But in the meantime, we encourage 
those that just prayed, along with every believer, to do three things to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. One, talk to God every single day. That's what we call prayer. Start by thanking him for the good things in your life because every good thing comes from him. And then talk to him about whatever problems, difficulties, decisions that you are facing and ask his help. At a very basic level, that's prayer. God loves you. He's your father. He wants to hear from you every day. Secondly, let God talk to you every day. And you say, how does God talk to us, Pastor? The, no the number one way is through the Bible. And so if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download the YouVersion app. It's free. You can download it on your phone or tablet and read there as much as you want. There is never a charge. I encourage you to start reading in 1 John, a little book in the New Testament, which will help you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Just read a few verses every day, maybe five or six verses before you read. Ask God to help you to understand what you're reading and to know how to apply it to your life you will begin to hear God speaking to you. Thirdly, I encourage you to get connected to a local Assembly of God church. If you're here in South Florida, of course, we invite you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful church family that will pray with you, walk alongside of you, love on you, and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you're listening by live stream and you're outside of this area, we encourage you to find an Assembly of God church near to you and get connected. Don't just attend services, but put down roots and develop relationships there. It is through those relationships that we uh, grow so much in our relationship with God. But once again, congratulations, and uh, we welcome you to the family of God. Amen. I want to speak now to those of us who are already saved, but some of us, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. All of us, we need to be refilled. We all need to be regularly refilled with the Holy Spirit. And in a moment, I'm going to open these altars, but I want to just give you a little bit of help in knowing how to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. First, believe. This promise is for you. God wants every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, ask in faith. Jesus said, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him. So we encourage you to ask. Then third, just begin to worship Jesus. Just begin to love Jesus right out loud. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is poured out where Jesus is glorified. So as we glorify Jesus, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. And we encourage you to pray right out loud because when the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and speak through you, he's not going to pry your mouth open. Amen? But he will begin to just change the language that you're speaking in. So we encourage you to worship Jesus right out loud. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And as you sense that presence, just begin to allow him to give voice through you and speak through you. If you don't receive today, keep seeking. Remember the 120 in the upper room, they were praying for 10 days and they did not give up until they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. So prayer is never a wasted time. God is always doing something in us when we pray. Amen. So don't get discouraged. Just keep seeking. So I want to encourage you right now. How many of you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost or you want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Hands going up. Praise God. All right. I want to encourage all of you that want to be filled with the Holy Ghost or refilled. Would you just come forward to the altar right now? The altar is just a place we've set aside to meet with God, to seek God. If you just come forward, 
Just come forward. Come forward in faith and expectancy. Ask God to fill you and then just begin to worship him. I'm going to ask some of our prayer ministers and some of our prayer warriors to come, if you would, and just pray with these that are coming to the altar right now and just ask the Lord to pour out his Holy Spirit upon them. You that are at this altar, just lift your hands to Jesus. Ask him to fill you and then just begin to worship him, would you? Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shantol, yalalala. Hallelujah. Congregation, just begin praying in the Spirit right now. Stretch your hands in this direction. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for these that are here right now. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. One five two two. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.